captivating landscapes, flawless tobaccos, elegant presentation. Introducing Pure Origin. At JR Cigar, our innovative team is on a journey for unrivaled flavors and enriching experiences. Along that path, we discovered new, distinctive, and groundbreaking tobaccos from the furthest reaches of the earth and are bringing them right to your home. The intentions are pure, the process is pure, the origin is pure. JR Pure Origin. Boom, here we are, ladies and gentlemen. It's Friday night. We are hanging out on the dojo. It is uh, episode, Jordan, 373. Getting up there. Of Yeah, we're, we're, nearing, we're nearing the big 400 mark, 400 mark. What are we going to do? I don't know. We got to do something incredible. Party? We got to get on, uh, we got to get like uh, some sort of famous celebrity on that show or something. It's going to be amazing. Anyways, it's uh, it's typical Friday night as we do on the Dojo Friday Night Herf. Everybody's hanging on on Dojoverse.com, checking into their favorite cigars, trying to earn their black belt. Sent out a lot of black belt coins this week. Um, here's the thing, guys. What about uh, that new coin? Yeah, there is a new coin, by the way. Uh, do I have it hanging around? No. Uh, but... If you guys get your black belt, you got to let me know because uh, then you can give me your address. I can send you your black belt coin and uh, get you fixed up. I, I I don't know. Now there's so many black belts, Jordan. There, there was a time when there was just like, you know, three of them or four of them or something like that. But only the first mm-hmm. 300 get a coin, right? Well, that's the plan right now. Who I'm, I, <laughs> They'll I, get that first coin design maybe. The actual first coin literally says – the 300 or you right. know on you could it. always make an, yeah, i could i could make a the next 300 <laughs> yeah i can make a three to 600 coin so who knows if you guys are watching this show really it would mean a lot to me personally as a human being if you liked and shared the show uh subscribed to the show do all those things share it with your friends because here's the thing if you guys know cigar smokers and i know that you do i'm watching right now on facebook and youtube i'm watching all the folks hanging out with us i know that you guys know cigar smokers so if you share the show with your friends on your own timelines, Facebook and otherwise, that really helps us out a lot. And we grow and we grow and we grow and we can continue to do all of this fun stuff that we do. We're going to have a killer show tonight. But you know what, Jordan? We had an interesting, uh, we had an interesting debate topic. And I'll, I'll, I want to get Matt's opinion on this as well um, in a minute here. And I want to I ask the audience this question. Because it's kind of an interesting question. If you're a sports fan, I know not everybody's a sports fan, but if you Deal are, with it. if you are a sports fan, here's my question to you guys: Would you rather have a team, your favorite team? Let's just—it doesn't matter, hockey, basketball, baseball, football, doesn't matter. Soccer, whatever you love, whatever sport you love. Would you rather have a team that is? terrible finishes near the bottom every year not competitive but one year in 20 years they win the championship so let's say they win the stanley cup they win the super bowl they win the world series the nba championship whatever right they win it once every 20 years or 
Would you rather have a team that is competitive every year and you feel like maybe they're going to win every single year for 20 years, but they never win the championship? Now, Matt, mm-hmm. in this, let's go to Matt in the studio audience because he's a Buffalo uh, Bills fan. <laughs> yeah, so. He's got a lot Seeing of experience. I have both teams <laughs> that don't have either of those things. Now, I, I, I'm not trying to pick on you, Matt. I just... I'm curious, what would you rather have? The team that's com- that's perennially competitive, so ev- all year long throughout the season, you're having right. fun, you're feeling like this is our year, we can win it all, or they're terrible every year, but one of those years, they're just good and they win the championship. What would you rather have? That's really tough because I I, I feel like the, the Bills are in that right now, they're kind of good all the time but they're never going to win it and that's a little frustrating but we've always had the team that sucks every year but also never won it mm. I, I think i would pick the competitive team the, the team that is always least competitive that's a lot more fun than just watching your team suck all year long and then one weird hiccup and they win the cup or the, right. the super bowl or something like yeah that. just give me just give me a chance that's all i'm looking for I, i'd much rather have a competitive team fun to watch it's you know you get the whole season to watch uh, the the championship's only a, a you know it's it's obviously amazing when you when you do it you know we've we've won quite a few times here in Colorado but that's just a, a sliver of the season I want to be I want to have a fun time watching the whole season yeah I think I think it gets down to you know what you are as a sports fan like do you only care about you know the ring or is it more like you want to be having fun all year long every year. I kind of feel like, and I, I, we're a little spoiled here because, like, we just won the cup and stuff, and we won the Super Bowl just a few years back as well. But I kind of feel like I agree with both Matt and Jordan. I'm curious what the audience thinks. Um, if you guys are watching, uh, let me know. I'd be curious to to hear what you guys think about that because it does sort of uh, say something about what you, what sports are all about. Because think about this: if you only care about the championship, if that's the only thing that you care about, then there's Literally every team other than the championship team every year doesn't accomplish that. So is, is, there, is that really the only thing that matters? Like, you know, people always say like, oh, it's the championship. That, that's what matters. But is it really like, I don't know. Like, I almost feel like I just want my team to feel like I have a chance. Just give me a chance. That's all I'm looking for. I want to feel yeah, like I, knows, I can know? tune into any game and, that- and feel like they might win. That's obviously, you know, you don't know, like there is a chance, like, right? Like you're in this scenario, you still think there is a chance. Like if you knew in retrospect, you're actually not going to win. Then that would not be as good. Yeah, right. If I knew, if I was, if I could some, if I was omniscient and I could see in the future and say, oh, we're going to suck for 20 years, we're going to win, you know, seven years down the line. Okay. Maybe I'd change my opinion, but not knowing I want to be competitive. I want to, I want to feel like my team is got a shot it seems like there's a good mix of uh you know uh, more guys are saying that they agree with us they want a shot but there there's a good mix of guys going back and forth i want to hear from the guys that just want to win the championship (laughs) (laughs) do you really want to suck all the time every year year in and year out it's just so brutal 20 years is a long time jordan 20 years is a long long time you want to suck for 20 years that's rough even though you sneak in one championship i've never really had to go through that like we've We've sucked for, you know, the Avs or the Broncos have sucked for like five years at a time, but not really more than that. Yeah, it would be rough being a Buffalo Bills. It's, uh, <laughs> it, 
that's that's why that makes it a hard question because when we are good, it's almost just as rough. I'm just teasing to the Matt because you guys have actually been pretty good the last. Well, the Rockies have always sucked. So yeah, that's that. that's true, and nobody cares about the Rockies. But we don't care. So nobody cares. That's, that's sort that's of kind of telling, right? That kind of proves the point. Like nobody cares about the Colorado Rockies because they constantly suck. All right, enough sports talk. Uh, we've got some some good some good info coming your way tonight. Um, as you may or may not know. There are uh, a couple of trade shows, a couple, three trade shows for this premium cigar industry every year. And the biggest one, the one that's ours, and when I say ours, I mean like strictly premium cigars. It's literally our trade show. If you are in the hobby, if you're in the lifestyle like we are, and I know everybody on the Dojoverse is similar to me and Jordan and Matt, we're, we're really into this. We read about everything. We, we try every single cigar. Cigars aren't... To us, cigars aren't just some ancillary sort of fun thing that we do occasionally while we're playing poker or, or or golf or something. Like cigars are literally, you could almost say like our life. Like we are constantly researching and trying and having fun and and reading. And so the the big one for us is the Premium Cigar Association trade show. And on the show tonight, we welcome our special guest Scott Pierce, who is the executive director of the Premium Cigar Cigar Association. Uh, Scott, welcome back to Smoke Night Live, my friend. How are you doing? Hey, thanks for having me. I'm doing great. Uh, it's good to be back. It's been a couple of years, so uh, it's good to hang out with you again. So, Scott, let's just start off with the, with the question uh, that I posed already. Would you rather your team suck for 20 straight years, but you get one championship in there, or would you rather be competitive every year for 20 years and never get a championship? Man, that's um, that's tough because we've kind of had both here in D.C. where the Caps have been consistent. I mean, they're not going to make the playoffs this year, which is a little bit rough. It's rough watching them play right now. But we've had the Nationals, which were terrible. They were kind of competitive then. You uh, caught lightning in a bottle and, and won the World Series. Um, so that was fun. But I think I'd rather have it competitive, at least with the, with the Caps going into the Stanley Cup. There's always a chance, always getting beat in the second round by the Penguins. It sucked, but... Uh, ultimately, they got the cup, but it's more fun watching them be competitive than not paying attention to the Nationals right now because they're terrible. Do you, do you think number eight is going to catch Gretzky? Do you think it'll happen? Do you think Alex will do it? Look, he's got three years left on his contract. He's got to average 25 goals a season in order to do it. Unless something catastrophic happens, I do think he gets there. Dude, how old is That's crazy. How old is he now? How old is but how many seasons did, uh, oh, did Gretzky do it in? Like, is it going to take Ovechkin if, if, to do it? If, Like I said, he has to average 25, and he got he's, what, 41 or 42 this season? Jeez. Um, so, a- so, yeah. So, you know, look, he gets 30, 35 next season. He could, he'll probably do it in the second season, which would be the exact same as Gretzky. If he goes throughout his entire contract to beat him, it would be one year more than Gretzky in terms of seasons played. You you guys have been blessed to be able to watch oh. him over the years. I I love him, and I mean, and as an Avalanche fan, I love just good hockey players in general. Like I love watching good hockey, and you know, you'd think like maybe another team might hate him. You, I can't hate some of these guys. Like I can't hate Crosby. I know he can be kind of douchey and stuff, but he's so good. Yeah, you I, can hate Crosby a little I, bit. I can hate him a little bit. I can hate him a little bit. <laughs> I can't hate Ovechkin. I can't hate uh, Connor McDavid. He's so good. He's too and dang good. Luckily for us, we've yeah. got Nathan McKinnon and Kale McCarr, who are both amazing. But man, what a, what a run Ovechkin has had, man! You guys have been lucky. 
It's it's been amazing, and you know, just even from when he was first drafted and coming up, and then they brought in Backstrom and Green, and you just had these young guns, and they just kind of scored at will. Now they couldn't play defense, but it was just I mean they they lit the lamp. I mean five, six, seven goals. I mean it's it's just been so fun, and you're right, been so lucky. Um, but you're absolutely right. Like watching some of these guys play, like Nate McKinnon, I'm baffled as to how he does what he does at full speed. Like my brain can't even catch up and he's already three, you know, four steps ahead with everything. It's insane. Same thing with Connor McDavid. I don't, I can barely skate. And these guys, my God, it's unbelievable. It's so much fun to watch. I love hockey. I can remember specifically Jordan. And I want to see if you remember this as well. I can remember <clears> the first time I heard like Ovechkin sort of making some noise. You remember that play? Jordan? What was that one? I, yeah. That it's that play. He rolls on his back and he, he, he spins against the coyotes. Yeah, he spins around. It's kind of, he's still one of the coolest goals ever. And he, and he kind of flings it on the on the ice behind his back and scores. And like instantly from that moment on, Scott Alex Ovechkin was like a household name. It was like that one play, just yep. like everybody knew who he was. And the crazy thing about that, number one, Wayne Gretzky was the coach of the Coyotes when that happened. So wow. it immediately pans to his face looking up at the Jumbotron <laughs> watching that goal. And Austin Matthews was in the uh, crowd that night watching that game. Wow, that's incredible! I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow, yeah, because he's from he's from Phoenix, and so yeah, right. he was in the crowd watching the game that night. Yeah, he's an Arizona kid. Yeah, interesting. Uh, all right, enough hockey talk. We we could talk hockey all night long, honestly, but um, yeah. I know that's not why our viewers tuned in tonight. We are talking about the Premium Cigar Association trade show. Let's let's kick this off, Scott, by talking about uh, the trade show that's coming up. Uh, July 7th through the 11th, um, it is once again in Las Vegas at the Sands uh, Venetian, what do you call it, the Sands uh, Convention Center? The, yeah, they rebranded to now it's just the Venetian Resort with the sale happening. So, yeah, whatever, you can call it whatever you want, <laughs> but it's the Venetian. All right, so we've got the show. It's not that far away. I mean, we're talking, uh, what, 12 weeks or something? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We even have a, we have a, we have a brand-new countdown on the website, so 12 weeks and a few days, yeah. It sort of seems like we were just there. Like, do, doesn't it, Jordan? It seems like we were oh, just yeah. there. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy how fast this is coming up. So, Scott, uh, give us an update. How How is this show, uh, this particular show, uh, shaping up this year, the 2023 trade show? Uh, I thought last year was a really great bounce-back show. I was super jazzed, um, invigorated for the, the PCA and last year's show was good. Talk about this show. Is it uh, is it shaping up good for you guys? Is everything coming into play like you want it to? Yeah. So we learned a lot of really good lessons. First and foremost, shout out to Stogie's sister, also a Seahawks fan. So um, <laughs> uh, good stuff there. Yeah, this year, again, um, a lot of stuff that we really wanted to try to change for 2022 uh, got good feedback on. And so the stuff that people said, hey, that's good. We wanted to build off of that. And some of the stuff that was like, okay, maybe change a few of these things. We've looked at changing some of that stuff. And so um, so it's actually uh, one of the things that people really loved was the Fuente seminar last year. So we decided to go a little bit bigger with those this year. Um, and so that first Friday, we've got Toscano, who's got their master blender coming in to do a special session about their aging process and how they fire cure and why it's different. And we'll get to have people get to sample that. Um, and then we're going to have a master blending seminar where we've got you know, Nestor Placencia Jr., Ernie Carrillo, and Christian Aurora, and a panel that's moderated by Michael Herklotz to talk about some of the recent things that are kind of going on with tobacco and blending and, and some of the other aspects from there. So that's a lot of the stuff that, that, that people really want to know. Um, it's one of those things, like you said, this is where 
the premium industry really comes together. And so when we're bringing us all together, we thought, what are some of the ways where we can do things that make it a little bit more special for, for folks? Um, and then um, kind of doing a lot more throughout the, the off hours of the trade show. Because um, we have the opening party, but we are going to be doing pretty much kind of networking uh, cigar type of events in a couple of different offsite locations this year. Um, we'll announce that here in a little bit. So you're kind of breaking news because um, we, we're uh, just starting this process. But um, we're going to be doing it on Saturday night and Sunday night where we're going to have a couple of cigar networking bar events for mm. folks to go to after hours. Um, and so um, to try to keep, you know, one thing that we talked about. A couple of years ago, uh, kind of going into this, is that um, for lack of a, a better term, I was like, you know, this isn't like a business convention where people also have fun. I'm like, we, people want us to put on a good a time and a good party where they can also write some orders and do some business. And so that's why we've tried to do a lot more things. We're bringing back a keynote, but instead of like a business lecture, we've got Owes Perlman, the mentalist. I, if you guys watched any of the Super Bowl stuff, he's been on ESPN. So he's going to come and do a couple hours um, in the, on, the, on that Friday for folks. So um, really looking to kind of have a little bit more of that going on. And then obviously we're going to be doing the happy hours again like we did last year. Uh, people love that. The companies are back doing it again. Um, and then more stuff with, with the exclusives um, and some other things there. So really looking to kind of build on what we did last year for what the people um, gave us feedback on and just kind of doing more of the good stuff and, and just kind of fine-tuning some of the stuff that people gave us um, some uh, good constructive feedback on. Now, um, for for a lot of folks watching, uh, most of the folks probably watching our show tonight, at least our audience is cigar smokers. Uh, guys like you know, me, Jordan, Matt, we're hanging out in a uh, studio here, having cigars all night long, talking about the industry and stuff. Why is this important to your average cigar smoker? What should uh, folks know about the Premium Cigar Association and specifically? Uh, the pre Premium Cigar Association trade show that is important, and why does it matter to the typical cigar smoker? Uh, phenomenal question. I think there's probably three or four things. Um, first and foremost, this is the platform that really funds the association, and the association is set up to do the advocacy primarily for retail and uh, lounges across the country. And so the retailer are our members, and so we do everything from, uh, for example, Idaho, we just got a tax cap passed. So if you're uh, in Idaho right now, your cigars at your brick and mortar are going to go down significantly, right? We fight against um, anything like smoking bans. Uh, we fight against tax increases, uh, flavor bans, anything else. We also promote cigar bar bills, tax caps, etc. So we're really the ones that we review basically tens of thousands of pieces of legislation in every state across the country every year to ensure that the industry is protected. Um, and so as consumers, you know, if you cigaraction.org for anybody that's listening as a consumer, you can sign up there. It doesn't cost you anything. It just gives us your information so that if we ever need to reach out to you to write a letter campaign or something like that to your elected local officials or even your federal officials, um, like your congressmen and senators, uh, we, we have your, your address so that way we know that you can write a letter to them. That's really what we do is, is to the importance of that trade show helps fund that. Uh, the second piece of that is that this is where all the manufacturers will you know, give their new releases. Um, it's where they will uh, promote what they're coming out with in the next year or so. It's also where they will meet with their retailers and lounge owners, and they will plan out uh, a lot of different things like events that are coming up or different things. And so the, a lot of like the festivals that kind of go on, I think a lot of them kind of had their birth at what our predecessors were. We used to be the RTDA, then the IPCPR, and you know, now PCA. Um, and so a lot of that actually happens there as well. And then the last piece really as a consumer um, is just, you know, 
watch and tune into Cigar Dojo and their covers there because it's a great way for you as a consumer to engage with the industry through Cigar Dojo and their coverage there uh, because the cigar industry and tobacco is so limited in terms of what we could do as far as advertising and promotion. And so, you know, all the work that, that Eric and, and Jordan and you guys all do is a way to connect the consumer with obviously the industry's biggest show and give them promotion and talk to the, the principals and talk to the blenders and find out what's going on to really connect the consumer in a way that um, is unique but powerful and that, that really do, um, doesn't happen outside of that. Now, the, uh, the tagline or the subtitle of the show this year, or maybe it's ongoing. I don't know. Maybe I, maybe I didn't notice this. Maybe this has been around for a long time. You tell me, Scott. But it's where tradition meets trend. Now, now some yeah. folks might think that's, like, that's how I get my fashion sense, Jordan, but, uh, <laughs> which is also no, accurate. Two things can be true at once. Two things can be true at the same time. But uh, yeah, yeah. Scott, what, is, what does that mean to you? What does that uh, explain that? Uh, I, I feel like I totally understand it. It seems like a good tagline, but I just want to hear your, your thought on that. Yeah, thanks. It is new for this year. We come up with a kind of a theme every year. Last year was Retail Matters as we were kind of getting back into things. This year we were really looking, um, as we were kind of looking at, at everything, uh, people love to talk about the heritage of the industry, the cigar family coming together. They also talk about like the excitement about what's new at the show and what people are doing. You know, there's massive excitement last year with the the Fuente and the Padron and that yeah. whole thing that was on the show floor. Um, Guy Fieri and what they're doing, you know, and a lot of these other different releases that are going on and, and, and collaborations. And so it's one of those things to where, yeah, you know, maybe the cigar traditionally hasn't changed in the way that it's been made, you know, since the 1600s. But it doesn't mean that there's not innovation. It doesn't mean that there aren't trends that we are talking about at the show that we're paying attention to that the industry is talking about in order to kind of maximize those trends as it, as it reaches the consumer. And so really it's the best of those both worlds, right? Much like your style, Eric, right? It's tradition <laughs> and trend at the same time. And that's kind of what we thought was a good summation of what the trade show is, is that it's the tradition of the heritage of the industry at the same time. It's the excitement about what the show brings as far as what's new and, and some of the other endeavors that a lot of the companies are embarking upon. Yeah, I guess my tagline maybe maybe be like more like when homelessness meets like a dad bod. I don't know. I'm just, <laughs> that's probably that'd be my that might be my that might be my tagline. Uh, before we get into um, some of the big news that's going on and uh, the, the sort of the the heart of what we're going to talk about tonight, uh, you you brought up Guy Fieri and uh, Espinosa. Good job pronouncing that, guys. Yeah, thank you. And um, we talked about this a lot last night on Coop's show, and we've talked about it a ton in the past. In fact, we gave Espinosa uh, our brand of the year in in 2022, uh, mainly on the on the shoulders and heels of the this collaboration. And, and I bring it up specifically, Scott, because this seems like a, a, almost a different style of bringing in a celebrity. Uh, endorser for a product it just seems like um, such a benefit to our industry to have somebody as popular as guy not only you know coming to the shows and coming to events uh, he was at the great smoke not this year but the year before and you know he was at pca for a bit and stuff but he's also bringing it into his world like he's bringing cigars into his world as well like you'd almost never see that kind of stuff happen and that just that is just so valuable, I think, to our cigar industry. It would be great to see more of that. I would love to see, you know, 
James Hatfield uh, with the Drew Estate Project, you know, becoming integrated. I would love to see the, some of these sports guys becoming more integrated, not just at the PCA and at the events, but also bringing it into their world. And that's where I think it's so valuable for us. I, I, I could not have said that any better, and I, and I wholeheartedly agree with you. Guy pulled me aside at the show last year um, when Eric introduced us, and I felt bad because people were waiting in line to see him and get his autograph, but he pulled me aside, and for about 10 minutes, he, he, his whole thing was, I want to take this mainstream. He's like, I love this. And I think that the success of this collaboration was, you know, Eric was like, I'm not making a cigar for you. And like they went through it and they were like, our, our goal is to make a good cigar. It's not to give Guy Fieri just sort of a, a vanity project. And quite frankly, I enjoy the cigar. I think they did a great job with it and yeah. it's selling very well. And the, the cigar industry really has no patience or tolerance for imposters. You know, and so because the product is either going to be good or it's not. They don't care about it, what name is on the band, right? So um, I think they've done a great job. And he is somebody, he, he, I mean, he's going to continue to elevate this. He's using his platform in many different ways. And he's right. We do need to go mainstream. And we've got a lot of goals, uh, you know, internally as PCA on other ways in which we can help that. Uh, again, we, we refocused our mission uh, a year and a half ago to growing specialty tobacco retailing and, and everything that that entails. And it does mean that we need to grow our footprint as far as the mainstream is concerned. I love what guys like Joe Burrow are doing. I love the fact that championship teams are smoking cigars, right? In every facet, right? And, and, and don't kill me for forgetting her name, but you know the MVP of the WNBA yeah. last year on stage smoking a cigar. I love that. Because it's it, it it's it's why we love cigars. First of all, it's because I mean, for me, it's my you know five times a day celebration, as I call it. But really, ultimately, you know, it, it's it's seen as that symbol of 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 fun, of joy, of success, and camaraderie. And uh, you know, for me, I want it much more so, just the way that you described it. All right, Jordan, I planned on doing the commercial after this next segment, but this next seg- this next segment is so so big. I think we should just go ahead and do our commercial break right now. All right. All right. So, Sagat, so we're, we're going we're gonna, to uh, take a quickie break here. Uh, this show, ladies and gentlemen, is sponsored by JR Cigars, one of the world's largest online cigar stores. JR's inventory ranges from everyday bundled cigars to incredibly high-end boxes, plus a large selection of cigar accessories. Enjoy the best prices on your favorite brands, such as Romeo and Juliet, Monte Cristo, Brownheads, Davidoff and many more. Make sure to try one of their exclusive lines, such as the Drew Estate Nightshade or my favorite, the limited edition Cigar Dojo 10th Anniversary Champagne by Perdomo. That's right. A cigar made just for the dojo community. Celebrate over 50 years of excellence and stock up on your favorite cigars today. Jordan, did you realize there are still boxes of the Perdomo what? Champagne Cigar Dojo available? Not many. But there are still some. Buy so. them. <laughs> so if you want to get your hands do on it, it yeah, you got to do it now because they are running out. And uh, that's an amazing uh, cigar. It comes in a beautiful presentation with the Cigar Dojo 10th Anniversary logo on it. Super cool. Uh, so snag one of those if you can. They're 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 affordable. It's great, uh, folks. This is episode 373 of Smoke Night Live. We're chatting with Scott Pierce of the Premium Cigar Association. Scott, welcome back to the show. Our next topic, Scott. This is big news. The uh, Premium Cigar Association uh, has announced that in uh, 2024, the year after uh, this, of course, the show is moving its date 
Uh, this is a big move. It's uh, March 22nd to the 25th at the Las Vegas Convention Center. So still in Las Vegas. We'll talk about the venue. Yay. Let's <laughs> we'll, <laughs> we'll talk about the venue later. But let's just talk about the um, the uh, the date change. So we're going from the heat of summer um, to uh, late winter, um, almost spring. I've got, I was a little bit surprised um, that there was some differing opinion on that being, I, I thought everybody was going to love that. And there's a couple people that said, Oh, you know, like it's going to be cold or whatever. Now me personally, Scott, I'm a hot weather guy. I can take 122 degrees. I don't even mind it. I actually like it. But at the same time, I like this change because I feel like this is just a better time of the year for releases to come out. Like selfishly, I love the heat, but as an industry, it feels to me like a March date is is a better date. So what prompted this change in date? How did this all come to be? How did you guys decide that you were going to move the date to March? You know, it's really funny. I tell this story quite often. Um, my first day on the job here five years ago was going down to the TAA meeting in the Dominican Republic. And I got on the shuttle to drive out to the, the resort area where it was. And on that shuttle bus was Alan Rubin. Christian Aurora and Tom Lazuka. And after, you know, exchanging names, one of the very first things they said to me was, you got to change the date to the trade show <laughs> right off the bat. Um, and unbeknownst to me, I mean, they literally just a couple weeks before I started to sign the contracts to, to be at the, the Venetian for the five years after the whole cancellation and trying to figure out where the home was going to be. So it was just kind of funny because I was remarking this with Alan at the board meeting a couple months ago. I said, hey, I told you the first time I'd have the opportunity to, to move the date to the trade show. I'd get it done for you. And so we laughed about that. The biggest thing, and we've done a ton of surveys over the years um, and, and constant feedback, Q&As and everything else and prompting my executive committee to really kind of ensure that we get the pulse of the membership um, and all kudos to, to obviously, you know, Greg Zimmerman is the president of the association right now and the executive committee for really stepping up and listening to the membership. And, and we dived into the numbers and we broke it down by months. And if we broke it down by months, February, March, April, way more than two thirds of, of the membership wanted it, retailers wanted it at that time. And the biggest reason was to get the products in before the busy season hits and to have more opportunities throughout the year for inventory turns. So you're exactly right in your assessment that if we have it in roughly that early springtime, then the products get released and they get out onto the shelves in a more timely manner for folks and have more opportunity to try them before, you know, July. I mean, some of these products might not ship and they might not get them until, you know, October, November time frame. And then you're looking at, you know, the winter coming in for the majority of the, the country there. So, uh, yeah, so this... It was really interesting the way that it happened because the Las Vegas Convention Center is under construction. Venetian had told us outright they had no room for us um, in the springtime. So the Vegas Convention Center came back and said, hey, by the way, we've got some March dates open for you. Are you interested? And so we jumped at it and we, we started to pursue it with them. Um, we have been simultaneously pursuing other contracts in, in future years, same time of the year in other locations. So I can tell you that 2025 will not be in Las Vegas. Right. And we'll get it. We will get into that. But that does sort of lead into my next question in that uh, is the plan to make this a permanent date change so that it'll essentially be somewhere around uh, spring, late winter? Yeah, yeah. We were uh, 
we, we uh, again, kind of going back to a year ago um, with bringing manufacturers onto the board, we leaned heavily on them and their perspective in terms of this. Um, and it was pretty uh, definitive uh, that this could not be just a one or a two year deal. They said it's, it's not worth it to just do it for one or two years. It completely messes up the, the timing for being able to do production and everything else. Um, and that if this is going to be done, it makes the most sense for the industry uh, at large. Granted, there are going to be a few folks that are a little upset by this because um, I've already heard for some of them um, in some pretty colorful language too, that this, this happens to be their busy time of the year and, and other things. And I get that. But again, the vast majority of the country, it's not their busy time of the year. Um, but it is better for the manufacturers. It's going to be a little constricted in year one. Uh, I think that there's a, a great deal of understanding there for most of them that, yeah, we're going to have a little bit of pain getting through this first one. But overall, this is the best solution for us to be producing cigars at, right at the time that we're going to be shipping out the majority of them. And it, and it aligns much better with what the business expectations are and the business needs are. Now, I, um, I'm, I'm, I selfishly, I like the Las Vegas Convention Center um, just because from my perspective, I typically have a car. I, I just drive into the parking lot. I park it. If I need to go out there, run back and forth, I can. It's very easy. Um, and once you get into the trade show itself, it really makes no difference. Like it's just a giant hall and it's, it's, so that doesn't make a, a bit of difference. Now you sort of already asked, answered this question in that the fact that the Venetian just didn't have that, that date. Um, but the, uh, Las Vegas convention center was, um, accommodating. Did you get any sort of pushback on that? Cause I know people sort of like to be, you know, they like to just walk over to the circle bar and that kind of thing. Um, or, or was that like, hey, this is the way we got to do it. It's, it's, this is what it is and, and we got to go with it. Yeah, you know, I think that there was a lot of that being forced to move to the convention center because of the cancellation in 2017 and 18 that people were really sort of pining for being able to walk off the show floor and walk right to the hotel. After five years now, well, four because of the pandemic, um, I think people are kind of over that a little bit. I think it's um, people kind of understand that while that is a benefit, that doesn't really work out the way that you really expect it to um, when when you've been away from it. The other thing too is that with Resorts World, the Tesla tunnels, the you know Fontainebleau, even though we're not going to be at the Fontainebleau. Um, all the, the hotels we are contracting with are all kind of within uh, just either a few minutes walk or right there over at Resorts World. And so um, we've got a lot of interesting thing, things that we're going to be doing at Resorts World as well um, and also at the, at the convention center. So I think that um, with that, there's going to be multiple ways for us to keep people together and do different activities together, which is what people like. Um, particularly at Resorts World because you can just you know take the Tesla tunnel over there. You'll be there in just a couple minutes. And then we've got a bunch of stuff that we've got planned that we're going to be uh, doing for some activations at Resorts World that has actually more room for us to be. So like we talked to the bar owner at the doghouse and it can fit 1,200 people. And he's like, yeah, go ahead and smoke. That's that, that bar locks it, you know, at Vegas. I mean, you have to crowd around it. It's standing room only. You can, you know, smell what deodorant people are wearing because you're so crammed in there. And there's only like five or 600 people there. I mean, you know, it's 1,200 there. There's eight lounge. We've got the Gatsby Club plus the casino bar. I mean, they could li literally probably fit almost 2,000 of us mm. all within just a little bit there at Resorts World. And it's all, you know, available to smoke in too. So we've got a really good partner there with Resorts World. Um, and then also in the other hotels, there's always areas in, in every hotel we've contracted with to be able to smoke as well. Now, in the press release, um, you guys mentioned that uh, there was some communication uh, with the TAA because their trade show is around this same time, and um, it's it sounded as if there was some some good uh, 
collaborating effort? Were they were okay with it, or uh, how did that process work? Uh, dealing with the TA, knowing it was going to be almost at the same time. Yeah, so I think that um, a blessing in disguise with the pandemic is that TAA in 21 moved to October and had a very successful um, you know, show, realized that it worked, it led into some really good sales because a lot of that led into the holiday um, rush for them, uh, for all the retailers that were there placing those orders. And so um, when they looked at it and we were looking at changing, obviously we were in close communication with their board members about this. And they were, they were incredible. They never tried to sway us. They were just merely saying, hey, keep us in the loop so that we know what to do based upon what you're planning. And so they really were just waiting for us to make the decisions um, and, and then sign the contracts, as it were. And so they have moved to October. They announced it'll be October in Aruba for next year. Um, and so that that you know, kind of helps. Whether or not they stay in October, I, I don't know. Um, it's a little bit farther away from the traditional buying pattern where they've been in March and we've been first part of July or end of June. Uh, but seemingly, like I said, I think in 21, they, they liked that October timeframe. So I think they're going to test that out again, but they, they were terrific and 100% supportive in, in everything that we wanted to do, understanding what our goal was um, and understanding that, that they all believed as well, that this was what was best for the industries to make the move at this time. Now, uh, over the last few years, uh, we'll just be honest here. There was a couple years there where, uh, Things didn't look so bright for the PCA. Uh, there was some struggles. Uh, and uh, TPE, Total Product Expo, which is what it's called now, um, started to gain some steam. Um, how is your, the PCA, how is the relationship with TPE? Is there communication? Now you're, you are obviously going to be butting up dramatically closer to, to their show. Now, 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 if everybody doesn't know, their show is not just premium cigars. It, it's a lot of convenience store stuff. It's it's CBD. It's all of that sort of stuff. Vape. It's very heavy on those other products. But there's a lot of uh, premium cigar stuff there these days. Do you guys communicate with them? What is your relationship with TPE? Are they accommodating? How does that work? Um, we we had talks. I mean, I saw Jason and um, or, you know, good friend Sergio. You know, um, who who passed way too soon. Um, uh, and great relationship with them. Last conversation I had with them was at last year's TAA. Um, just kind of talking about the fact that um, it, it's not really a one or the other. They, they obviously had a niche that they were fulfilling. Um, at the time, we really hadn't made a decision on whether or not we were going to be moving earlier into the spring. So I know that that is going to probably impact them in a little bit of ways. However, they are... Um, in terms of the nature of it, at least my understanding, um, and this is some feedback that I've just gotten, is that while there are um, you know a lot of retailers that do go there, and obviously a lot of manufacturers that go, um, it's prim primarily driven a lot by the, distri the distributor relationships that happen there, um, and I don't really see a reason why that would change for them in terms of that time of year. Um, it's a, it's a different approach. The most manufacturers as they take there. So, um, you know, I, I th obviously the change is going to impact it a little bit. I mean, look, they didn't consult us when they moved to just six weeks before our show uh, a couple of years ago. So, you know, it is what it is. Um, I, you know, I think that we will, we will continue to find a space where we coexist and, and we continue. We uh, obviously have close relationships with, with them when it comes to everything from fighting flavor bands in, in California to even some of the work that we're doing internationally, like in Canada, where obviously they're a very big player because of their distribution up there. So um, we, we always continue. And I just, I think that it will continue pretty symbiotically in that regard. Did you guys communicate uh, to them before making the announcement to the public that uh, your show would be moving? No, no, they, we, they got the communication the same time we sent it out to, to all of our members. 
Right. Uh, speaking of those dark times, uh, Scott, uh, a lot of this has to do with um, COVID, of course, was right in the middle of all of this, the pandemic. Uh, there was the loss of the big four uh, uh, exhibitors. And we're going to talk about STG coming back here in a minute. But um, so there was some dark times. Was it 2021, Jordan? I think uh, we were a little nervous about the direction of the show. But then since then, Scott, um, things have been positive and and. Last year was really positive. Um, that got me reinvigorated uh, for the Premium Cigar Association trade show and organization as a whole. What changed between 2020-21 to now? Like, how did that come to be where it seemed like there was some, some new board members, some new in, in, uh, innovative ideas? Was it just because there was a lot of bad feedback or, or did you guys – just understand that things had to change. Like it seems like you're on a new trajectory. Why did that happen? Yeah. Um, very astute there. I think a lot of it, I think it's kind of a recipe of a lot of that, you know, um, and you kind of as the, 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 the pull out of the, the big companies happened. And then at the same time, COVID hit and the cancellation, uh, and the, at the same time, you know, a lot of that was the fruits of a lot of the political, differences i'll say and differences in, in the political strategies that the various organizations were employing and really sort of the way i talk about it now is the this industry is still very very new in terms of being in the advocacy game and and because it started just what about 13 years ago really and so having to come up to speed that quickly and as they were going through all of it uh, you know i understand why a lot of the decisions were made the way that they were made as an outsider coming into the industry i was a consumer before i got this position but, you know, my entire career, I've been in nonprofits and advocacy organizations. And so coming into it, like I can understand why they did what they did, but I could kind of also see it from an objective point of view. So kind of getting through that a little bit, there were some external forces that happened that I think helped sort of shake things down a little bit, too. We had some court victories, some other decisions that, you know, ancillarily um, uh, affected the industry and kind of settled some of the disputes between different groups. Um, but also at the same <laughs> thank you, Jay, <laughs> um, you you know, I, I, I was, I was, you know, very steadfast in terms of, of, of staying, but I will also say I've had support from, from my board and the executive committee from day one. Now, again, it hasn't always been kumbaya and have there always been, have always been hundred percent aligned as we go through things. No, but again, the fact that I've had the freedom to be able to argue and to push and to do different things in different ways. And then ultimately we come together and, and coalesce around that, uh, ha, has been where it's at after the show in 21, when we got through it, I think it was just basically a breath of fresh air. And I brought the board together to kind of reset what our strategy was. And we went through a full day of a, of a professionally facilitated strategic planning session to refocus us on what we needed to do and how we needed to do it. Um, you know, when we got back to it and, you know, I not not that I'm trying to do this for my own personal kudos, but as an organization from the board to all the way through to my staff last year, we had the most. Uh, it was the most financially successful year we've had as an organization um, to date, and which is great because we had a $2 million loss, right? And so last year, um, given what we've been able to do and accomplish, and now with that, we're now reinvesting back into all these other programs that we're doing. It's because of that. We know now better with, with the staff that we have, with the resources that we have, how to deploy them in ways that it maximizes every single dollar spent, and then also understanding what we need to invest back into the trade show, the importance of of, of what the trade show is 
And so um, I just I, I really appreciate the fact that folks like you uh, that, that do notice that and can actually feel the difference in the trajectory and, the, and the, the, the directions that we're going, because that means then that it's resonating at a certain level and then um, and it feels good. All right. So the next uh, big news story that broke uh, just this past uh, week and a half or so uh, is that, as I mentioned before, uh, was it 2020, Jordan? 2020? Uh, Drew Estate, Davidoff, Altidus. Early 2020, I think. Um, and General all uh, bowed out of, of attending the trade show. And so it's been a few years, four years or whatever. And this year, um, STG in the form of Forged Cigar Company, which... Uh, they they acquired Alec Bradley. They acquired Rumo 101. And now they've announced, Scott, that they're coming back. How long ago did you know of this change? And how did how did how did this happen? Did, did they approach you? Did you guys approach them? Was it like, hey, we can, we need you guys back? Or did they say, hey, we want to come back? Like, how did that happen to where you're getting one of these big four back? Yeah, uh, again, really kind of a, a mix of all of them. Um, I've always maintained uh, relationships and conversations with the majority of them. Um, and Greg Zimmerman, as, as president, has done a, a great job of continuously reaching out. They've always known that there was a home here um, and that they were always welcome to come back. Um, again, when you understand that there are differences in the way that groups and or corporations and or other businesses might approach a political situation, um, it makes sense. Uh, and then there was also other things to where, you know, they had wanted some um, differences uh, in terms of, you know, trade show, trade show management and some of the other components that they wanted. And now with, you know, again, manufacturers now on the board, uh, been obviously, you know, three or four big changes. Um, I had not had an opportunity to, to talk. I didn't go down to uh, TAA this year. Um, Josh Herberski went down to go do the um, the presentation at TAA. And so uh, Regis Borsma from, from STG, he was talking with Greg there um, about that. And that's kind of where that came about. I think that once we announced the change to March and a couple other things on there and it aligned for them to, to make that decision. Um, but I've had uh, conversations with, with Altidus as well, with Javier. I've had numerous conversations with Glenn Wolfson. I consider Glenn Wolfson um, a, a good friend of mine because we do talk often. Um, he's a great guy. I mean, he called me at Christmas Eve. We you know talk about each other's families all the time. Um, he sent me a box of cigars for when my son's teacher had his, his kid because his, his kid liked his uh, teacher likes um uh the tabacs and so he, he made him some tabacs for him so got a great relationship with them uh you know however it happens i do think that you know we'll all be back together sooner rather than later um and it's good it's good for the industry i know that obviously the, the competing interests you know if i'm another company i may not want them there totally get that but at the same time i can tell you that politically when we are more aligned and when we're working together as we have been over the past year or so uh we're getting a lot more done and we're a lot more formidable than when we kind of have some of this infighting so it's actually been really good yeah. um and it's been really fruitful yeah and stg literally um uh, specifically mentioned the the change of date as one of the reasons that they were uh coming back um so that that seems like a positive thing now i remember jordan we we had this discussion like who who do we think will be come back the first before anybody else? I think we said Altidus. Right? I think we both predicted Altidus, and I, I don't remember exactly why we predicted that. I might have had something to do with just talking to Raphael. Right, um, but it did seem like it'd be one of those two. It did seem like it'd be one of those two. So um, so you kind of touched on this already in your answer, and so I apologize for sort of asking it again, but just to clarify. Do you, do you feel like now there's a pathway to bringing uh, these other guys back, the other the other three? Yeah, absolutely. I absolutely do. Um, 
the um, the one that we don't have the uh, the one that I would say that we have sort of the least back and forth with is is Davidoff at this point in terms of PCA and involvement. Um, but I, I do think that um, we, we have, uh, I, obviously, not enough time and or, you know, details at this point to go into it. But we've got a lot of sort of really big initiatives that are going to be coming up here in the next, um, you know, 8 to 18 months. And that is important that these companies are involved in, and I think are going to want to participate as well. So I do think that um, that next year, um, I am guardedly optimistic that probably three um, of the four will be, will be coming back. Um if not the fourth, I don't know, um, but I am guardedly optimistic just based upon the conversations and the feel I get. That's just, you know, an assumption um, that I have. I'm not saying that I've been given any sort of definitive response from, from any of them. Um, but again, things are trending very positive. Uh, we see them all the time as we work on stuff on, on Capitol Hill and the Cigar Caucus um, and with, with CAA. So it's all going very well. And I, I do think that we'll see some good changes heading into 24 as well. All right, let's get into the future, Jordan. The future. Oh, our restaurant <laughs> button. <laughs> I blew it. The future. I have a few buttons here. The future. All right, let's get into the future. Uh, so, what are you talking uh, about? <laughs> I apologize for my producer because he's, he's, he's he was so enthralled. That's hilarious. Jordan was so enthralled with your answer that he just completely <laughs> – he just completely screwed that up. Uh, all right, Scott. So uh, moving forward, um, there's been some thoughts, some rumors, some 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 uh, uh, rumblings, uh, if that's a good way to put it, that um, you know it won't be in Vegas after 2024. Uh, what can you tell us about maybe um, moving it to other cities besides Las Vegas in the coming years? Yeah, um, it's really interesting. Whenever we go away from Vegas and go back, the numbers always spike. So for as much as people don't like Las Vegas, I, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's like that old Scrubs episode where JD is like, you know, it's, uh, sex isn't important unless you're not getting it. It's kind of like <laughs> Las Vegas. It's, you know, it's, 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 it's a lot more fun when you're not there type of thing. And then you want to go back. But, um, yeah, so we are looking at places. Someone asked the question about, you know, going to Orlando or what places we can spend smoking. That's our biggest challenge um, is that we need about 500,000 square feet of space to put on our show. And there's just not that many uh, places in this country that can accommodate that and that will allow smoking. Um, and so, um, you know, we'd have to get an exemption like in Miami if we were to try to do it there. Tampa just does not have the space. Tampa's convention center is only 200,000 square feet. Um, any of the Native American casinos, the largest one, I believe, only has about 100 and maybe 20, 160,000 square feet of space, but it's not even continuous space. And so, uh, so we're really limited. There's a handful of places, Las Vegas, New Orleans, uh, Nashville, a couple other places that we look at, um, Dallas-Fort Worth we've looked at, um, but we've got to get exemptions for some of these places, and, and that uh, requires some political hurdles for, for us as well. Um, so moving into the spring makes it a little bit easier in terms of going to different places because there's a lot of places people don't want to go to in July. Um, but earlier in the spring, we've got a, a few other options that we're looking at uh, in just as it relates to that. So um while we'll continue to go back to Vegas, there's no question Vegas is a good home for us in a lot of different ways. It's not going to be the every year in and year out as we've come to know it this past, you know, seven years or so. Well, are you getting are you getting pressure to move it out of Vegas? Yeah, you know, it was really funny. Pete Johnson at one point basically was like, you're going to have a mutiny on your hands if you don't move it from <laughs> Vegas next year. <laughs> it was pretty funny. But, you know, again, you know, a lot of people have strong opinions and, and uh, 
in it was really close to about half and half of manufacturers that were like let's get the hell out of vegas and others that were were okay with it and so it's really interesting um yeah, Orlando is a challenging one, just given uh, the the Disney as is kind of a, as, as a challenge there. Um, but uh, but yeah, I think that people do like the change of scenery. There are people that don't like Vegas and think that it will help. Maybe if we are able to move it, you know, to a Florida or a New Orleans, there's an East Coast contingency that will come because it's not so far. Um, but we did hear from a lot of manufacturers, uh, a lot of California, not manufacturers. I'm sorry, a lot of California retailers when we announced the day change that were like. <laughs> Basically, it was like, hallelujah, we're coming back because it's in March, you know, and so we can come. California's got close to 300 stores that, that you know, come to the show. So um, it, it's, it's just one of those things, unfortunately, we're not going to be able to find the Goldilocks date and location that everybody's happy with. So I think that uh, allowing us, I think the majority, vast majority wanted earlier in the year. And now we can kind of play with a few different locations to try to make everybody happy or, you know, everybody equally as, you know, upset every couple of years. So do you, are you predicting that the 2025 show will be in another location? Uh, yes, it will. And is that, uh, are we thinking New Orleans? Is that the, the one that's uh, leading in the clubhouse? Just tell or? us, where is it going to be? <laughs> <laughs> we, we don't have contracts signed, but I can tell you I have mentioned the cities that we are looking at already. Um, and we should probably have a, a final decision through contracts and kind of negotiations and what's being offered, incentivized for us to come here in probably two to three weeks. Oh, wow. Interesting. Uh, yeah, I, I gotta say, it seems like Nashville would be, um, an interesting location. Um, I, I, I do, I totally agree with you though, that Vegas just kind of has everything you need. Like they're very cigar friendly. Um, there's a lot of places to go. They have two massive convention halls. So it is tough to, you know, say, Oh, well let's, let's try to make this other location let's try to fit into this other location when we have this one that we already have that just solves every, you know, every issue that we have. Yeah. And one of the main uh, requests that we have for manufacturers is they actually like keeping it in the same location because they don't have to ship if they've got their booths that they need. To, and so they can keep their stuff in storage for cheap in like in Las Vegas and keep it there. And then they don't have to ship everything and figure out storage or, right. or what's going on there. So, so, um, so we are keeping that in mind about how we could potentially do it. Um, Nashville is, is a little bit of a challenge just because of they've got this platinum lead certification for their convention center. So we're currently looking into what that impacts and how we might, you know, be able to approach trying to get an exemption for a three or four day event. Um, that's always our challenge is whether or not they'll allow smoking. And with so many modern buildings being LEED certified, um, it depends on the classification of LEED certification. And then we've got to go and navigate the politics and, and the local economy um, as well when we do it. So a lot of different hurdles when we yeah. try to go to a new city. Yeah. New Orleans doesn't seem very cigar friendly at all. I mean, um as far as, yeah. you know, places to smoke outside the convention. And, and, and Scott, I'm 57 years old. The walk through the last, or to the New Orleans Convention Center, you're going to have to provide me with like uh, some seg a segue or maybe there's a bank of segways or scooters or something that you can provide us with. Well, you can't. 
Can't get one well, of those skateboards? Come on. <laughs> yeah, well, I was going to say now, though, from the last time that it was in, in New Orleans, right, they've got the, the, the Lyft or Lime scooters that you can ride. Uh-huh. I will say this, that um, when we did look at, at, at different places, that's one of the challenges with Miami because it is very spread out. Um, but there are hotels that are right across the street from the New Orleans Convention Center, the, um, the um, Hampton Inn and the Embassy Suites. That we said if we did go there, then we would need to make those our hotels along with the Hilton. The other stuff is too far away unless we get shuttles. So, Howlin' Wolf, Jordan. We will be at the Howlin' Wolf, Ooh. that bar. That's that was great. It was great. It was an amazing time. Some yeah. of our best stories come from that. <laughs> yeah, some of our best stories come from that place. <laughs> Um, I've, 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 I've heard, you know, um, New Orleans is itself isn't smoke friendly. However, um, when we were down there, it's, um, they were all about us being like cheaply, ridiculously cheaply being able to close down like just different streets for us to like build it out. And that way we could have like an entire outdoor smoking lounge where the food vendors of the restaurants would serve us the food. And we'd just be out there having basically a cigar block party. And, uh, there's a couple of other places that we looked at there. Again, our, our big thing is that we need to have a place where people can enjoy each other's company and smoke cigars. So that's our, that's our prime directive when looking at where we can do a show. All right. Last question about the future. Um, Scott, you've been amazing on the show. You've uh, given us tons of awesome information. Appreciate it. Um, a few years back, I don't know, was this 2018, 19, Jordan? I can't even remember. Uh, there was talk of CigarCon, which would be a, sort of a consumer day uh, part of the show. Um, that didn't come to be for various reasons. I don't want to rehash those reasons. It doesn't even matter. Is, is that still part of the plan? Is there still um, a thought of maybe adding a consumer day, a festival of some sort um, to the PCA trade show? In its current format, no. Uh, We continue to talk about different ways to engage consumers. And right now the focus is on a lot more uh, activations, particularly as it relates to advocacy and education, but bringing them into the fold in different ways rather than at the trade show itself. Whether that leads to some separate event that the consumers are a part of that we do. Um, that's, that's, I would say probably more likely than not. I don't know that in its current format, if it makes sense to try to bring the consumer day into the current format of the trade show right now. All right. So that's on the shelf. Uh, indefinitely. We'll see how that goes. Scott, just real quick to answer Cameron real quick. Uh, yes. Our co-chair of the Cigar Caucus is actually Congressman Troy Carter from New Orleans, uh, who is a very big supporter. And, and, and New Orleans is one of those cities that does have an exemption for us and, and works with us. So it's it's really one of those things to where um, local policy and mayoral issues uh, aside in terms of some of the anti-smoking um, that they have there um, is, is one issue. But the other aspect of it is, is that on a different level that new Orleans and just, you know, the congressman there is the co-chair of the cigar caucus is very cigar friendly and wants to help us make some changes. And that's the impact that the trade show can have really. If we come and we do this in different cities, we can have a massive impact because that footprint, the showcase, and just even just the marketing appeal of it, um, to help even push, Hey, look, this is a massive show. It's a very great industry. So opening up like cigar bars and other things can come as a part of that, right? And, and uh, it's one of the reasons why I wanted to do Louisville, but Louisville's pretty anti-smoking too. Yeah, think about it from the other perspective. Like, not not that they're anti-smoking, but let's make them more pro-smoking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Hey, exactly. Exactly. Uh, Scott, you're, this is one of those damned if you do, damned if you don't questions. Um, in the past, Love it. in the past, I have um, 
said, oh, you know, like it's, it's so expensive for the media to come cover the show. I'm doing all this work and I'm, I'm essentially promoting the show. Like, why is it so hard for the media to do this? And now, now, you know, fast forward a couple of years, like last night on Coop show, I'm basically saying the PCA should make it harder on, on media. Outlets. <laughs> Uh, double the price. I don't care. Like triple the price. Like there's, it seemed like there was so many media outlets, um, and, and taking up, you know, the retail or the exhibitors time, they're trying to deal with the retailer. And then there's like 300 media outlets and they're all trying to like, do you, is there a, a way to find a good balance, um, with the media that attends the trade show? I mean, obviously it's a, it's a benefit to the trade show to promote the trade show guys like us covering it. But at the same time, it's difficult for exhibitors when they have so many media outlets. How do you guys navigate that? Is, is there a, a, some sort of way to make a happy medium? I don't, I don't even know. Yeah, that's a great question. I asked that question last year of, of, of you all, the media. Um, and, um, you know, really, uh, the, the first step that we took within that was to reiterate the code of conduct we expect from the media. Um, and, you know, and not for, for folks that like you that are veterans that know what you're doing there, but, <laughs> but, um, but, you know, again, I, uh, I use the term because this is kind of what it is, but the influencers, right. And, yeah. and trying to understand that again, um, you know, this isn't where you're coming in trying to get a free meal because you're going to go ahead and give a review off of Yelp for these folks. This is where people are literally doing tens of millions of dollars of business and you coming in is not going to benefit them when they're trying to place orders with some massive retail accounts. They want you there. And, and so we try to, we're trying to figure out what is that right relationship because um, I, you know, I don't know if that there didn't seem to be great relationships between PC and the media before I got here. So I guess my predecessors and some of the other aspect of it. Um, and so I've, I've tried to kind of bridge a lot more of those gaps because I, again, uh, I'd like the media, I, you know, it's kind of what I did for a number of years too, um, in, in communications and other things. And so I really wanted to be able to bridge that gap. But to your point, I don't want the pendulum to go to the other way to where it's more influencers than retailers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of that. So I, I can see where, um, you know, we try, we talked about things of, of removing the membership completely and having people apply for press passes and, and having basically an advisory committee of, of manufacturers that would approve those because it's really them, you know, that need to approve that because it's them who are getting mm-hmm. the, the promotion and, and doing the interviews. So we've talked about a handful of different ways to do that. And I do think that some changes will probably be coming down in the next year or two because I don't think that on its current trajectory it's going to be sustainable um, given what we want the, the goals of the trade show to be. Right. Yeah, that's that's a tough one. And I'm so guilty of um, criticizing in the wrong ways and then, you know, time goes by. Well, I mean, maybe it's just part of the fact that things have changed and now there's just – like you said, there's so many of the uh, influencer folks or just, you know, YouTubers or whatever. And, and it, yeah, selfishly, I want to be able to still go to the show, of course. And, and I hope that we'd always be invited. But I do I do like what you're saying. It does seem like there maybe there needs to be a, a, a tightening or maybe just a little bit more oversight as to. In fact, I was on a call today with PCA about an, another <laughs> another media outlet. And I, and I told them, yeah, they're they're great. And uh, they actually do. They actually do media and they're, they're not just an influencer. And so I was sort of giving my you know opinion on these guys. So, you know, maybe that's sort of the way it goes is like you're saying, like, you know, these media outlets, they, they kind of need to do more than just, oh, I've done like seven, you know, Instagram posts of me smoking a cigar. Like there, there has to be yeah. some meat on those bones a little bit. Yeah, you're absolutely right. We do um, 
vet seriously we asked for references we call manufacturers they let's say use a reference so lisa called you to find out okay is right. this person legitimate or not you know um we got rid of the last half day of the show for next year right so you see this is 22nd through the 25th that's the one day of education and then three days of a trade show um you know i've even you know mused well okay if what if we take that day then and we just have uh, a pre-day of of just media before mm-hmm. the show begins and then that way it's just media day and then while the retailers are doing their thing and then the trade show begins and mm-hmm. then it's just kind of a separate animal as far as that's concerned. Um, that's something that I've kind of mused about of, of whether we could set that up or not. And I think that by the way we're changing some of the way the programming works and the dates, that might actually work in the future. But we'll have to see because it will be less disruptive to the flow of the trade show. But at the same time, I'm not sure I want media not on the show floor while things are going on because we do a lot of stuff during the show too. So right, yeah, there is, that's the trick. That's what I was saying. Is like, a, you know, where do you find that balance? But hey, Scott, I got to say, like, uh, uh, both Jordan and I have discussed this at length here in the studio. It was it was after it, sometimes like when you get at that 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 the bottom of the valley is the only way you can figure out how to get to the top of the mountain, and it seems like that you know 2021 show. Uh, it was a rough show, but since then the trajectory has been amazing, and uh, the the information you gave us tonight was fantastic. I, I just can't thank you enough for taking the time on a Friday night to uh, join us on Smoke Night Live and break a little bit of news and uh, tell us how things are going and how they're going to be going in the next uh, five six years. Yeah, you know, I think that um, I I've always enjoyed coming on on the show here. Uh, I love the 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 really cool, unique things you guys do at the dojo. So I've always uh, had a good time with you guys and and enjoyed it, especially when I saw you at Rocky Mountain Cigar Fest. So um, it, it's great to be able to come on and, and share this with with the community that loves cigar smoking as much as I do. But probably some of you all might enjoy it more. Um, I don't know if that's possible. Like I said, I, I, <laughs> I do tend to smoke multiple times a day because I love it so damn much. But you know, I, there we really have we're we're set on 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 a good trajectory right now in terms of what we're looking at. You saw a board member right there, Michael Herklotz, talking about the future being bright. We've got multiple new programs that are going to be coming out in, in the ensuing years. We're, we, you know, we're going to be local everywhere. We're going to be growing what we do. We're going to be in states across the, you know, across the country in terms of fighting for, for everything that we need and to, against all the crap that we don't want. But we're also looking outside of our borders because we've known how much crappy policy like from New Zealand and Malaysia and other places is starting to seep into this country. And quite frankly, places in Canada and Poland and other places, they need a lot of help. We did a we did a presentation last year in Germany where we talked about here's all of the research the U.S. government has done like for premium cigars and how we've used it and leveraged it for a lot of positive results politically and, and regulatory wise. And now we're trying to fight the ways and partners in these other countries and these other places around the world where they can do the same thing to get more favorable laws or at least fight back stupid laws like, you know, um, these, you know, if you're born after a certain date, you can't ever smoke anything. So, mm. um, uh, I, you know, we've, we've built a, a really yeah, we got a great team and, and new board members with the elections and everything else coming up in and everything else. We, um, yeah, everything is just kind of coming together really, really nicely. And it's really actually very, you know, fulfilling for me to hear, you know, someone like you that that's noticing that. So it's, it's, uh, it's great. All right, folks. I uh, hope you guys appreciated that. Uh, the, when you're sitting around smoking your cigars and you know that they're, uh, your local politician is working to, to make it so that you can't smoke or that you're, uh, your tax rate, Jordan, here in, in Colorado, uh, is going up and up and up. It's guys like Scott that are out there on a daily basis behind the scenes. You don't even know what's happening, and they're uh, they're fighting for your rights. So please support them. 
Uh, by the way, uh, Scott mentioned earlier in the show that um, that the, uh, uh, to 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 sign up. Um, what was give me the right, website right. one more time, Scott? Uh, yeah, cigar cigaraction.org. Right, and so if you sign up there, here's the cool thing. Scott said, "Oh, this, we'll alert you if you need to write your congressman. They'll even write the letter for you. All you got to do is sign up. Once you do that, um, it's super easy. If there's ever a, sort of an action that you need to take, they'll they'll contact you. They they basically hold your hand through the whole thing. And we all need to do this because otherwise, uh, we could end up someday where we're not able to in, uh, partake in our favorite hobby, cigar smoking. Hey, Wednesday night, uh, Flavor Odyssey is back." It is the uh, fifth episode of the Cigar Dojo Cigar of the Year sampler um, pack that we're going through. This Wednesday, it's our Cigar of the Year. It's the Liga Pravada H99. Jordan, Jordan, what are you going to pair with the H99? What do you think will be a good drink pairing for the H99? I haven't thought about it, but uh, maybe like a barley wine? Like a dark barley, but barrel-aged barley wine or something? That that's a good. I, that might that's I like that. I haven't done that yet. We we typically just go bourbon, so we we have, <laughs> <laughs> we have to we have to get outside of bourbon. Uh, so we'll be doing that Wednesday. Robbie and Randy will be back, and uh, remember, you can win on that show. So get an H ninety nine. Come up with what you think is a good pairing, and participate on that show because you might be a, a winner and get yourself uh, a prize directly from the boys uh, Flavor Odyssey. As far as uh, next Friday night uh, goes. That'll be the the last night before Jordan and I go to Costa Rica, but we will have another uh, smoke night live a uh, week from tonight. I'll tell you guys what that'll be uh, next week. It's going to be a ton of fun. We got to thank Scott Pierce so much for being on the show tonight. Scott, thank you so much for taking the time on Friday night, brother. Anytime. Thank you so much for having me. And I don't know what it is, but between Coop and Bear and you, Every single episode number I've done is always a prime number. So thank you for oh. keeping the streak alive. Wow. There must be some sort of pie. Uh, I don't know. Some sort of, <laughs> equa- some sort of equation that's happening. I don't, I don't, I don't know what it is. Yeah. But, uh, exactly. No, thank you so much for having me. I always appreciate you guys and everything that you do. So uh, just happy to be able to come on and share some things about PCA and the industry. All right, folks. It is Friday night on Dojoverse.com. Get your phone out. Go to Dojoverse.com. Check into your favorite cigars. Share what you're drinking. Do a little hashtag now playing. We're going to be partying all night long on Dojaverse.com as we do every Friday night, Herf. Until next week, remember, never, never smoke, smoke alone. alone. We'll see you guys next week. Look, kid, we're trying to work with you here. Tell us what we want to know, and maybe we can cut a deal. I'm not saying anything until my lawyer gets here. Bad idea. Look at this, scumbag. I didn't spend 20 years on the streets to have some punk back talk me, all right? Now tell us what we want to know. What do you want to know? We're going to ask you one more time. And if you don't tell us what we want to know, you're going to spend the next 15 years in a slammer bartering for fruit cups. How did you get these cigars so quick and easy? Huh? Is it the Russians? A street gang? Tell us who it is. Hey, Chief. What is it, Jenkins? I think he got them from JR Cigar. They have the best prices on the biggest brands and some really great shipping options. Really? Yeah. Hmm. All right, then. Uh, I guess you're free to go. You want to go hang out somewhere? Maybe watch a game or something? Yeah, sure, the cowboys are on. You son of a-